The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm joined today by my colleague, my co-director of the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination, Dr. Eric Veery, MD, PhD, who is with us. Where are you today, uh, uh, Dr. I'm in Denver, Colorado today. Ah, the Mile High City. <clears throat> so uh, I thought we'd share some of your very intimate recollections of the time that you spent as Dr. Professor Stephen Hawking's uh, doctor. And this was... This was a, a very interesting event that took place uh, over a decade ago, and it's a, what strikes me is, is, of course, we're commemorating the passing today, uh, which is March 14th, which is also sometimes known as Pi Day for the 3.14 first three digits of the famous irrational number Pi, plays such an important role in physics and mathematics, and also... Uh, important uh, to the work of, of Stephen Hawking. And not only that, was also the date that Al Albert Einstein was born. Uh, and today, I'm very interested to share some of these recollections that you had working with him, uh, both uh, professionally and your service with him. You actually um, wrote a scientific paper based on this experience, which is a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I, I think I'm so tickled by, by this because, you know, of course, uh, Professor Hawking spent so much of his life and, and, and uh, professional career thinking about gravity and the mystery of gravity and, and really not ever fully comprehending it as, as, as no one you know, perhaps ever will be able to, but he got as close uh, as some say as, as Albert Einstein, who as I mentioned was born on this day <clears throat> uh, more than a century ago. So he's sort of, you know, he, Hawking has, has this reputation for you know, for being a larger than life character in many ways. And I think that reputation in, in most cases is not deserved, but in his case, it was deserved and more so. And, and that's another thing he shares with Albert Einstein, that his reputation among physicists was equal or greater than his reputation in the popular culture. So um, it's particularly fitting for us as the co-directors of the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination at UC San Diego uh, to commemorate his life and and really to reflect on his career, including his the most uh, the most recent award that he won uh, was also the Arthur C. Clarke Award for Lifetime Achievement. That was just last December, only a few months ago. I think that was his last major award. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. So uh, so we're going to provide a link in the show notes to his citation and acceptance speech. Uh, but during it, he he did say it is no small task to be judged as having met. With what we would have been, what with what would have been Arthur's expectations for intellectual rigor, powered by imagination, insatiable curiosity, and concern for our planet and its inhabitants, and this is you know just such a perfect encapsulation of everything that we try to do here at the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination. So clearly, he's going to be missed by people around the world. Outpouring of of grief and remembrances from professionals far and wide, and from lay people far and wide. So I want to go back to that uh, to that date in uh, in 2007 um, in April when you uh, got a chance to explore the the uh, nether regions of the Earth's uh, uh, gravitational field with Stephen Hawking. What was that like? How did that come to occur? Such a remarkable experience. 
Well, thanks so much for uh, setting this up, Brian, and, and giving me a chance to speak about it. It was uh, one, of the, one of the greatest experiences of my life to be able to um, meet Stephen Hawking and explore gravity with him, go into weightlessness with him, probably the only time he ever did in his life. And so, as I like to say, I, uh, I was his doctor for four minutes, uh, <laughs> but four minutes of weightlessness. Right. And this came about because of a, uh, a great opportunity presented to me by my friend Peter Diamandis, who was the founder of Zero-G Corporation, among many other institutions. And Zero-G's product is weightlessness. And uh, Peter asked me, uh, as I had helped him set up uh, the procedures for people to experience weightlessness uh, for the company to help it, uh, to lead up a medical team uh, to take uh, Stephen into weightlessness. And we had just a fantastic uh, group uh, that came together uh, to put our plan in place. And that was uh, NASA flight surgeon Jim Vanderplug, who uh, served so many uh, space shuttle flight crews, and Stevens uh, physicians, Ian McKenzie and Edmund Chilvers. And so uh, we, this team came together and we followed up on the plan that the Zero-G Corporation people uh, put together for us to bring uh, Stephen into weightlessness. So we had um, uh, several days of activity around that. Uh, and the day before we had the actual flight with Stephen, we had a practice flight. Um, and we worked on our procedures, worked on the emergency, set up all the equipment, and made sure that we could get the picture, because of course getting the picture was the major goal of the, uh, of the, of the events. That Everything's day. a photo op, right? That's right. So we had to get the picture, we had, and that was, that was the primary one, and so we, we worked on and practiced on that. And then that night, um, uh, Stephen gave a lecture for all of us, uh, called His Life in Physics, and of course, we got to hear the voice. Um, of course, when you hear that voice all over the place now. It was funny, I was in a parking garage and the machine was speaking to me and it was Stephen Hawking's voice. And Stephen <laughs> Hawking was giving me my parking. Iconic. Uh, yeah, so, so that very recognizable voice gave us a lecture in his, uh, about his experiences uh, in physics. Um, and then the next day we had the actual uh, flight, which happened at the Kennedy Space Center uh, where we used the same runway that the space shuttles landed on and the zero-g aircraft was brought in and we uh, loaded up all the physicians and uh, the support staff and of course Professor Hockey and his assistants and uh, took off out over the Atlantic. So it was um, it was just a, a, a great flight and we had a plan. So as I said, we had the first goal was to get one parabola and the picture and everybody would be thumbs up and that would be good. And if we thought everything was okay, maybe we would do some more parabolas. <laughs> As you understand the way that we create weightlessness with zero G is that this airplane flies up to 32,000 feet. So about six miles up, I'm a mile up here, they go up about six miles. But then in 30 seconds, we drop back down to 24,000 feet. We drop about two miles in 30 seconds. And during that time, we have the experience of weightlessness. So we're passing through Earth's gravity fields at just the same speed as gravity is pulling down on us, and we experience uh, weightlessness just as if you were in Earth orbit or uh, mm -hmm. away from the Earth. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the price for going down like that so fast is that you gotta go back up again. 
And so at the bottom, the plane pulls out and you experience an interval of hypergravity, about one and a about 1.8 times your weight. So what you do is you lie down on the floor and you, if you try and lift your arms and legs up, you feel they're double their normal weight. And so for, of course, for Professor Hawking, who had spent decades in his wheelchair, that was really the risky time mm -hmm. in our flight. So we had to make sure that we had him down safely on the floor. We had a specially configured uh, couch set up uh, so that he would be comfortable during those pullouts. And then the medical team was all around and we were monitoring him in real time and making sure that he was okay. And then if we got the four thumbs up, uh, then we would say, okay, we could do one more parabola and then we would do another one. So the flight plan was for six parabolas if everything was going okay. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the six parabolas, uh, Stephen was communicating to his assistants who could can read his facial expressions. He wasn't wearing his computer interface then. And so they can tell what he needs and what he wants. And they said, he says, no, no, I want to keep going. I want more. Mm. I want to keep going. So we actually put on two extra parabolas uh, for him because he was having such a great time. Wow. And you can just see it in his face in the pictures and the video from from those uh, from that flight. Uh, he just has a great big grin on his face and he was having a ball. And um, you know, so often we remember with his uh, that posture that he had in the wheelchair uh, with his head turned, but uh, he has his glasses off and a big grin on his face, mm -hmm. and he just had a fantastic time. Did you guys have any other ways of uh, commemorating the event <clears throat> that uh, you know or, or that you came up with in the flight, whether to monitor him or maybe just for fun? Right. Well, we did monitor him, and that's what the our, our medical team were doing. But I had one extra special job that came up sort of ad hoc uh, during our practice flight. A quick-minded uh, passenger noted a bowl of fruit with an apple in it. Uh -oh. And so, of course, you remember that uh, Stephen was the Lucasian Professor of Physics at Cambridge University, the very same chair of professorship chair that Isaac Newton held at Cambridge. And so, of course, we thought uh, this passenger thought, hey, we got to have Newton's apple. Mm -hmm. But of course, instead of falling on his head in weightlessness, it would just float. Wow. That's well, so luckily, because I was part of the medical team and just right there immediately beside Stephen, I got uh, volunteered to release the apple into the into the shot so it would be floating during weightlessness. Mm -hmm. at some of those pictures, um, and in fact, in the picture in behind me, you can see it on the floor of the, of the aircraft. Right. Um, the, uh, the apple is floating there, so that's our tribute. The weightless apple is for Stephen Hawking, uh, outdoing Isaac Newton uh, with the apple falling on his head. Right, a vantage point that's, that's right. right. So that was, that was uh, a super fun uh, little little extra that we came up uh, that somebody came up with on the spot and uh, really just made that such another little special event but it wasn't all fun and games was it there was a serious medical um, aspect of the flight as well well absolutely so as i said um uh professor hawking has uh had als uh, lou gehrig's disease amyotrophic lateral sclerosis so this was the disease that weakened his muscles so much that he could barely move and, and, and 
uh, essentially was sitting in a wheelchair or in bed for about 50 years, which is kind of unbelievable, you know, mm -hmm. as a as a physician in the Department of Neurology, mm -hmm. we just see so many amazing people who persevere through uh, these unbelievable experiences, and he was absolutely one of them. Um, and uh, so we had to we had to take care of uh, him and his uh, precious, fragile body, and make sure that that uh, that he was safe. Um, and so we were all kind of holding our breath and. And uh, and came through our eight parabolas and landed back at the uh, at the Kennedy Space Channel, uh, Space Center where the shuttles landed, and we were uh, and we were good. So we started breathing again when we got there. Right. <laughs> That's right. So then what happened was they uh, had a bus that took us over to the uh, press conference, and literally he wrote his the words of his speech while he was on the bus. So they put on. The, the glasses that he had with the special detector of his eye movements, right. and that is links to his computer. And he, through moving his eyes and cheeks, he moves lines down and then columns across and will pick words. Now, Brian, you're a book author, and we're very excited for your book that's coming out soon. You wrote a book with a word processor and typing, you know, probably a hundred right. words a minute. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine this guy writing wow. physics books, moving his eyes? Equations and painstaking. Stunning, and, um, stunning kinds of stuff. In fact, it was, that was a fun little story that he mentioned in his uh, talk the night before um, because, uh, because of his limited ability to write words. Of course, he did so many things in his mind including physics equations. Mm. And he was telling us that uh, in his talk that he was at a party one time and he was kind of hunched over and his wife was looking at him and she says, you're doing physics, aren't you? You're not even paying attention to this party. So he does all this stuff in his mind and then brings it out on the computer. Wow. So I got to watch him uh, create his speech and the first three words that he selected were, it was amazing. Wow. And uh, so I, I was sitting behind him and I just got to watch this. And then uh, we uh, brought him to the reporters and he had this whole speech that he made about, um, about uh, what it was like to experience weightlessness. Wow. So as I said, just an incredible privilege that I was so lucky to, uh, to be a part of, uh, to be invited uh, to explore gravity with them. And then uh, just in a couple of uh, closing comments from uh, from the flight and your recollection of it. It, it so in addition to the to the experience for him uh, personally you know he was also not only a, a great promoter of, of science among the you know the, those of us who, who practice science as our profession but also for the popular understanding of science and I wonder um, yeah. if you could talk about the outcome of the of the research component of the flight that you took with him that you published in The Lancet, which is uh, arguably one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world. Right, so, uh, so our little team came together. We were able to talk about uh, the various medical regimes and what we were monitoring. And the amazing thing that we found was that his breathing capacity was really unimpaired by being on board the plane, which of course flies with a reduced pressure altitude, as you know, as a pilot, uh, the plane isn't as pressurized as down at sea level, but he was breathing comfortably and beautifully and maintaining 
his oxygen levels and not allowing carbon dioxide to build up in his body. And we were able to monitor that. And, he, and so if you remember, I'm the doctor of gravity disease. So right. my patients are the ones who have problems with gravity because their gravity sensors in their inner ear malfunction. Yep. And so the other thing that happens, of course, in these kinds of things is motion sickness. Uh, imagine being on a roller coaster that is two miles high. No thanks. Um, but in fact, it's a great, it's great fun, and uh, we have a super time. And he had no motion sickness as well. Wow. So, uh, so we were able, we were very lucky. And as I said, he just had a great time uh, and and wanted more. Wow. In fact, his ambition was really to go beyond the experience of um, uh, weightlessness in parabolas to actually fly in orbit. And that was one of the things that he was hoping for um, in, in the years as these new companies are coming on board to bring uh, you and I, the general public, up into space. Yeah. So, you know, as part of the long-lasting impact of his life and career um, on so many, you know, members of the human species, I think the thing that most speaks to many of us is the, the indomitable spirit that he had. And really as an icon, you know, of the human mind, almost this, this purely mental entity and, and really carved in the pantheon of, of, of success in, in, in all things intellectual. But he was also, you know, a very staunch advocate for people with disabilities. And, and of course, um, you know, one of the, one of the most, you know, just distinguished scientists that, that have ever lived. I wonder if you could say anything in closing about his long-term impact on, on your patients and on, on, on young people, older people around the world who, who suffer with debilitating diseases and, and how he inspires and continues to inspire both them and, 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 and people all around the world. Well, and that, that's right. So in fact, what he's been asked many times, why would he do such a risky thing uh, to, to his own fragile body? Right. Um, but of course he wanted to experience what gravity was like, but it, equally he wanted to demonstrate that he could do this, that people with disabilities can do incredible things um, and that he had been provided so much. He told, he told us and as he's told many people, uh, the National Health Service in Britain really gave him his life uh, to, and all the equipment and support that uh, kept his body going uh, through the Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, there's been so many people, and we've seen this in the tributes today about him, about people with disabilities who've been inspired to persevere through the tough times to become professors of physics and, and all kinds of things. And in fact, we even had a fun uh, inspiration where we were able to take four children who had never walked, wow. who were paraplegics from birth, and we took them up in zero G and we got them upright, which again was just a, a signal experience, and that was through the inspiration of uh, Professor Hawking. Mm -hmm. So well, for all of us, <clears throat> all of humanity, he he told us we have no excuses. We right, have. no limitations. Right, that's the most indelible impression he left on, on everybody. So, Eric, what a remarkable experience you got to have, and and I know you kept up with, uh, with uh, Professor Hawking for years, and yes. uh, it's with sadness that we have to commemorate his passing. But, um, but we we do look forward to to reaping the benefits of this giant intellect in the decades to come. Well, and with joy. And so, uh, you as a cosmologist, perhaps better than almost any of us understand his contributions to physics 
And I think that will really ring through eternity um, from humanity. So it's with sadness, but also with joy for the so many amazing things that he did. So thank you so much for the chance to talk about it. Thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you so much for sharing these recollections. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. Five, four, three, two, one.